0: for another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. Sitting in Holiday Inn, it's a beautiful afternoon, Uh, the sun's setting, we've got our drinks and I'm sitting here with my friend Gretchen Mitchell. She is not a Pacific Islander like most of my guests, she is white, (laughs) but she's here here in Fiji with me at the moment, so welcome Gretchen. Thank you so much, Letitia, it's very nice to be here, it's beautiful actually. Gretchen and I go way back to many years ago when we were young youth pastors in the city of Toowoomba in Australia. She was the Lutheran youth pastor, I was the Pentecostal youth pastor, but we became great friends and did a lot of stuff together with our youth groups, ran girls camps, did stuff in the schools, a whole amazing range of things, and then she left me and moved to the beach um, and decided she wanted to become a sol- psychologist. So she is here in Fiji. We've been doing some workshops this week. Um, the accidental counselor was an amazing workshop that you put together just training everyday people and how to understand how people work, how we work. Um, we've done some things at the safe House of sex workers. you've done a session with school staff. Uh, the last two nights we've been talking. we've done two sessions at Manor, Manor Cafe on healthy relationships. Um, And this is what we're going to talk about today because last night you really discussed the issue of sex. Healthy sex, what does that look like? Because again we don't always talk about these things, no one teaches us. Oh the music's going, we've got a bit of um, background music. Um, But yeah last night we had an amazing session particularly with a lot of young people who really appreciated what you brought um because as i said no one's talking about these things and if you don't know you fumble your way into it and it can be quite a stressful part of your relationship so you outlined and maybe i'll just get you to run through the p's you outlined a bunch of p's on what sex is and should
1: be so maybe just share a bit of that with us Great, thanks, Letitia. Yes, last night was amazing and I think it is so important to talk about these things in a healthy and respectful way so that people can actually um, make good choices and figure stuff out well instead of, yeah, like you said, fumbling through, making mistakes and ending up really hurt or hurting other people. So the peas, uh, This is from The Great Sex Rescue, Sheila Walsh book, um, excellent book for those of you who want to read more. So she talks about sex should be personal. So it's this is it's really about intimacy, it's about growing our relationship with one another. It should be pleasurable and this is a really important one. Pleasurable for both parties, not just for one. If only one party is enjoying it and the other person is not, then it needs to be, we need to look at that. We need to address the issues. We need to look at how we can help it be good for both people because that's the actual design. Um, The next P is for pure. Sex should be pure. And what we mean by this is that it shouldn't involve affairs or other parties. Sex is between two people, a man and a woman, um, That it has no porn affected behavior which is this is a big thing that is really i guess informing people when we don't talk about sex porn becomes an educator and that's just devastating because we know that porn is Uh, actors acting it is also like every couple of seconds there's a violent act usually towards the woman which then leads young people particularly to believe that when they have sex that it's going to be violent there's and that's how you do it and that's what's right which is devastating (laughs) um so yeah so we want it to be pure we also want it to be prioritized this was a bit funny last night they thought that was hilarious but like we prioritize um, going for a run, like I fit it in here, between here and here. Same also with sex when we're busy, when we've got children. <laughs> we have to prioritize and put it in the calendar sometimes, the diary. Um, and, and both people actually making time for it and choosing to do that over something else. So that the relationship keeps growing and connecting. Um, it also needs to be pressure free. So this is... Where sex is a gift that's freely given by each party. It's not about getting what you want. It's not about manipulating or coercing or threatening somebody to give you what you want. But about mutually sharing and giving yourself to each other um, in a loving act. It's also about putting the other person first, and again, I want to stress, it's not one person putting the other person first; it's both people putting the other person first, because otherwise, it doesn't work. Otherwise, one person ends up feeling used, hurt. Um, yeah, that's not a, not a pleasant experience. And the final P is passionate. That sex is about abandoning ourselves to one another in this like this beautiful. This beautiful act of like, and as someone said last night, it's a holy act. Like it's a gift given to us by God that we can um, enjoy and builds our trust, builds our love, builds our connection.
0: Yeah. No, they're great. And as you were speaking last night and I was listening and I just went, this is so opposite to what the world creates sex to be and what we see in the movies and on porn because uh, it's so selfish uh, when, when they're just out for oneself and... Um, And so I love that this... Now, this just doesn't happen overnight, those um, few peas, does it? Um, What does it require to develop a healthy sex life?
1: That is such a good question because when we watch the movies, we assume that happily ever after, perfection immediately. Um, I believe that um, sex is like ordained by God for marriage, because he understands that it takes a lifetime (laughs) to really get to know each other and to get to know yourself and to be able to get to a place of deep vulnerability and intimacy with each other. And so, Tisha, I think it takes lots of things, but probably one of, well, a couple of key ones would be being honest, being able to be honest with yourself and with um, your spouse about what you like what you don't like how you feel um, where you're at so that's the key and I guess that links into the most important one which is communication we need to be able to talk to each other about these things and personally like I found that was hard to do particularly initially like it's quite embarrassing to talk about <laughs> these things how you feel about or what something feels like to you like it can be hard and particularly if we are not trained to talk about things or how we feel generally then to talk about something so um private um is hard and so I guess that's what we just um, encouraged them last night to practice sharing how they feel and what they think about things, just general things now so that when they are older and um, in relationships, they can share from their heart how they feel about sex, which is essential for making it good. Because what I have learned about marriage is that that your spouse cannot read your mind. <laughs> I was always certain they could, and I was always so disappointed when my poor husband did not manage to read my mind. I had to actually say it out of my mouth.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, no one reads their minds, do they? Now, there are some preconceived ideas, I think, that we can go into marriage. And I don't, I mean, for us in Australia, we probably heard some of these things in church world growing up. Maybe not so in Fiji, because I don't think the church discusses this very much. But, you know, I remember hearing that as a woman, men want sex more than women. And that if I don't give it to him, that he's going to go off and have an affair or watch pornography. And so I've just got to be available and ready because men are more sexually driven than women. Um, Is that true? Because I've obviously never married. So, you know, I need you to tell me.
1: Well, it's a good question, and I think it's really important to address because I don't think you're the only one that got taught this and heard this and even wonders about this. Um, I think it's it's true that men having testosterone have a higher sex drive often, but not always, um, than women. And it's testosterone is a powerful force. <laughs> and I think um, women who have never experienced it to the same degree find that hard to understand. But I think what we're failing to really acknowledge when we, we have these kind of statements um, circling around is that we're not allowing men to take responsibility for who they are and for how their body is made and take responsibility for self-control of like taking hold of this is who I am and I have to actually ha- control my behaviour, my urges, my thoughts, my, but, um, like my actions. And this is so essential. Um, we... We all need to be able to control ourselves. (laughs) And I don't think that's something that is encouraged now. It's like, do whatever you want. Go for it. Just follow your urges, which is really unhealthy, um, particularly for like as we're teaching this to young people. Because if I just follow my urges, they're going to lead me down pathways that will lead me to do things that will hurt me and hurt others. And that's just the reality. Not every thought that comes into my mind is a good one to follow. Um, So, yeah, we need to... You need to shut down that idea and I think we, we need to take responsibility and as I shared last night, I really think it's powerful to learn how to control your sex drive before you get married so that when you are married, you are able also to control yourself in marriage because... Unlike what we may be taught, you can't always have everything you want, every moment that you want it. And um, people get busy, people have jobs, people are not always interested or available when you are, and so sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes you can't have sex when you want it, and often, actually, yeah.
0: Yep, okay, so this notion that, um, yeah, we've just got to be available for the men anytime. time, um, that it, and this comes back to conversation. Um with yeah, just working things out together. The other um misconception is yes, that men just are after sex and women don't really enjoy it or whatever. Is that is is women is sex for women as well?
1: <laughs> Thank you for asking. Yes it is. And I think it is I've heard it around the world people saying that, ah oh, well women just don't like sex. And I would say that if your wife doesn't make, like sex, then you need to look at how you are loving her. Because perhaps you need to learn some yeah <laughs> new strategies. Um, women like sex. Women enjoy sex. But only when they are, I think, seen and heard and loved and... Um, when their man sacrifices for them, when he sets aside what he wants and desires for her. It's very powerful and it's very beautiful and it's very healing. I think we also need to acknowledge that when women have been hurt by men in the past, it can take time for them to come back to wanting to have sex or to enjoying sex. So that's really important to consider. But but women do love it. And um, I think one of the keys to making it good for women, Tish, is that we spend time um, bringing arousal, helping the woman to feel aroused and the man to feel aroused so that they are both on the same page and both interested. Generally, not always, men get aroused a lot more quickly and so they need to take time to help arouse their wives so that they can be fully engaged and fully on board with, um, with it as well. And when they do, it's so much more meaningful for both people because... I've talked with men. They don't actually really want to have sex with someone who's not really engaged and not really interested. That's just – that stinks. But when their wife is fully interested, totally there, totally excited by them, like, desiring them, like, that's, that's a very different experience and a really wonderful experience, something that really bonds you and is a blessing. Like, it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As a psychologist and someone who meets with many, many people every week, um, and you've probably heard a whole bunch of stories and we don't want you to um, tell us anyone's secrets, but what would you say that you've noticed actually kind of creates an unhealthy sex life? What are some of the major factors in that
1: area? That's a good one. I think selfishness creates unhealthy sex life. I think... um my friend once showed me a book she had that was called "Sex Begins in the Kitchen." Now I don't know what happens in that book, if it's a good book or not, but the title really is good. That um, when party like when one person helps the other person out and gets helps them get the jobs done, then that makes them feel valued, and then they're more interested. But if I think the even going on further from that, is I've, I hear this a lot, that um, he didn't, he ignored me all day. He wasn't interested in me. He went to work. He came home. He sat down, read the newspaper, went on his phone or something, ignored me. I did everything with dinner. I did everything with the kids. The kids went to bed, and then he goes, ah, how about it? Slaps me on the butt or whatever, and and they just disgusted. They're like... I am not even interested in you whatsoever because you haven't shown any interest in me. You haven't shown any care or concern for the things that I have have been doing, and it's hurtful. So, um, yeah, ladies gentlemen, take time to see um, how your your partner is, like what they're doing, what they're investing in, um, how things are for them, and help help them out. Talk to them. It's like we we. When we're um, going out, when we're dating, when we're meeting people, we spend a lot of time talking. And I've heard people say over and over, oh, we talked for hours and it went. we talked for seven hours and it felt like two minutes. And um, we do spend all night, stay up all night just talking and dreaming about things together and sharing. And it's beautiful. But then we get married and we forget. We don't even, we hardly talk. When we're going out, we spend can spend hours, I don't know, kissing. Just, you know, it's just... Just all that connectioning stuff, and then we forget to do it when we're married. But if we can get back to that, taking time um, to talk, taking time to kiss, taking time to just gently stroke each other's even hair and face and um, skin, and just take time to discover what the other person finds pleasurable without even before you even get to sex, it makes yeah, it just grows connection and makes things all beautiful. I mean
0: we're, we're in a country where a lot of people go to church <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they're all saving sex till marriage um, and we again discussed this last night why it is important and sometimes we can just think oh that's a silly religious rule but even just from a psychological or a science point of view or a biology point of view why is just having sex with one partner
1: um, the ideal? Well, I think um, it it comes down firstly to protection. Being with only one partner protects you from STIs, of which we discovered last night. There's around 30. These can... um cause death to a child being born if herpes virus if um, it's active on the woman's vagina when she gives birth Um, it can also cause infertility um, different STIs so there's real consequences um, for these and if we only have one partner who hasn't been with somebody else either then we are safe we we don't we can't catch it um, I think it protects our hearts because we made a commitment to each other before we've bared our soul and become really vulnerable. Because, like, for a woman, you allow a man into the the most intimate place in your whole body. Like, it's a very intimate and vulnerable position. And then just for that person to leave and never talk to you again, is <laughs> very devastating. So, um, sex in marriage protects you from that. Um, a lot of people, I think, think it's an outdated idea and it's harsh and r- mean and stopping you from having fun. But, but actually, it's really protective. It's actually kind. It's, it um, keeps you safe and keeps your heart from being broken and torn and thrown on the floor. So that's a couple of things that I can think on the top of my head. But I, I know there were more because we had heaps. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, that's right. Um,
0: there is a lot more, but that's it's important, um, I think. And for me, you know, being um, a single person and not having slept around, I'm just glad that, I, you know, you can't go, oh, and I slept with him and he's got this part of my heart and, oh, and you bump into that guy and he's uh, <laughs> like I've got no baggage in that area, um, which is freedom. Um, And as I said last night, um, we can live without sex. The world wants to tell us we can't, that it's a right, that we must have it. But um, self-control and discipline and just finding other things in life, um, yeah, (laughs) you can live and survive. I'm a walking testimony. (laughs) Hallelujah. I do get, from time to time, uh, Fijian women messaging me, inboxing me, just saying their husband's watching porn, but the husband tells the wife, well, this is a man's right, every man does it, you know, what's the problem? How
1: destructive is pornography to your sex life? It is very destructive, and um, some counsellors even prescribe it as a assistance to marriage. I've had people tell me, but actually, it because we discussed before, it's fake. It's not real. It's scripted, and it's it's all posed, and it's like angled, you know, photographed from this particular angle or whatever. It's it's not what true sex because. True sex isn't about getting um, getting off on somebody else and using them. It's about giving yourself to each other and loving the other person. And through that, gaining intimacy and like feeling good as well. But it, that comes through giving yourself rather than trying to feel good by taking whatever you can from the other person. So I think um, the reality and the truth is that, that pornography is an industry that makes billions of dollars and their aim is to get you hooked because they are making money from you. They don't care about you. They don't care about your relationship. They just care about your money. So we got to keep that in mind when we're thinking that they're helping us or that it's a it's a right. But I think it, it also to... Um, pornography is I'm able to view and um, orgasm potentially or get turned on by these images where there's no responsibility for me to be vulnerable, to open my heart, to care, to um, to offer myself. And so its it's a very selfish act, just the very act of watching it. And it also sets up men to not be able to perform in their marriage because they've train themselves to um, orgasm to a particular image or a particular style of thing or a particular, um, if they're masturbating, to a particular movements And then when they're with their wife, she doesn't do it the same way. And so often they can't actually um, have sex because they've been trained. They've trained their body in an unhelpful way. Um, it also trains their mind to expect their wife to look a particular way. Um, an airbrushed model you know we can't compete with that and so that then in turn degrades the woman and she begins to feel like she's not valuable she's not beautiful she's not special because she doesn't look like that she can't do that she can't, She doesn't want to do those things um, it causes people to have types of sex that they're not comfortable with and um, just touch on anal sex here it's something that's um, become more and more popular but something that's actually very damaging and degrading and um, for the person whose anus is being inserted. but And also, biologically, <laughs> the anus is one cell thick. It's designed for, when poo comes down, for absorption of the final fluid that is there so that the stool is um, easy to come out but not too loose. Which So it's a bit... Graphic information, but the reality is, when it's penetrated, it can tear very easily and cause fissures, which are very painful and take a long time to heal. Which then causes can cause other diseases because the blood, like things, can penetrate then through the fissure, which is a hole or a gap then in the the cells, um, and so you can you can get other diseases and things, but also just pain, but also it's degrading because sex i I really believe is designed to be something where you are face to face you are sharing like you're looking into each other's eyes and obviously there's all different things you can do that and that's fine that's all good too but yeah that's just my personal opinion that but yeah Uh, And also,
0: I think you're bringing in other people into the marriage bed (laughs) with pornography, which um, I tell women that um, if he's watching pornography, he's cheating. Um, The covenant was made between one man and one woman, not one man and his entourage of porn stars. Um, And you can actually leave. He needs help. He needs high-level help. Um, He needs more than your prayer and fasting, he needs to confess and repent. And and there might you might even need to leave the marriage for a time while he sorts himself out. So if he ever does, um, that's okay as well, because to have to live in this is not
1: God's plan. I would like to add there too that um, the, what happens in the brain when a man or woman views pornography, but particularly for a man is that Particular chemicals are released in combination that causes great addiction to take hold, and so it is actually biologically addictive, which is what makes it so hard for people to break free from it, and which is why we actually we need to yes repent and confess to somebody else, not just to our wives, and then have regular follow up and regular mentoring and regular discipling in this, and like working it through. Otherwise, we it's very hard to get free yeah absolutely um now
0: look there'll be some people maybe listening to this or maybe having just seen the title of our podcast and gone uh we don't talk about these issues they're sensitive (laughs) they're not to be made public but i think what we realized last night was that there was a a group of young people and I'm finding this all over Fiji they want to talk about these things they want to know the truth and uh, we have not helped them by saying staying silent um, and so and yeah I think the the statistics the stories uh, are a result of yeah just us not speaking the church not speaking families not speaking uh, I always say if we fail to sexually disciple our children we fail in discipleship because it's such a big part of their life Now you're a mother of three, two teenagers and a son almost there. How have you talked to them or how are you
1: talking to them about healthy sexuality and sex? I think um, we try and be just really open and honest about things and really natural. (laughs) This can be a bit awkward. Um, But... Talking For me, it's about talking about the impact of what we do and why we're we're choosing what we're choosing so they understand the reasoning behind, not just telling them what they should and shouldn't do. A list of do's and don'ts, that's not very helpful because uh, we all go through a rebellious stages. Mum said, don't do it, I will. And then it's like, oh, I wish I hadn't. But if we can explain to them why we don't recommend it, then they have a greater understanding. Then they're like, ah, okay, because I might have this or this might happen or, yeah, and once we once we know why, I think that can really often really help. I think also age-appropriate. We need to talk about things um, gently and from a young age just naturally talking about what's appropriate at that age and the questions that they have or particularly if they are at school or somewhere and they come home with a word <laughs> that they don't understand, explaining that word Simply, and I think I've erred sometimes on probably giving too much information, scarring my children. <laughs> they're like, oh, mom, don't tell I don't want to know anything else. Don't tell me. <laughs> but um, I'm learning. I'm getting there too because we're not perfect. We're, we're all in a journey. But just being open, being open about your own journey and how, like the mistakes you made and how that hurt you or impacted you. Because if they hear that, they're much less likely to want to go do that oh, that hurt my mum, that hurt my dad, or they're not, you know, they're still impacted by that. Well, kids are smart. They they're not gonna, <laughs> they don't want to repeat um, painful experiences. So, yeah, do you think that will help people? Sure. I think so. I think creating,
0: and this is what you've done, is create a family where no topic is off bar and, and where they can talk. We, we don't say that's taboo and we don't talk about it, but... I think um, and and allowing space for their quest they have questions and these days they can google or uh, the kid they they talk about in school Uh, I've just come from speaking at a high school and spoke to the boys on pornography Um, no one's ever told them the damage it does to them and it was just so encouraging to have young men come up to me afterwards and say thank you uh, but this, this is what we, we need to be doing this in our families as well. <laughs> the school should just be supporting families, not taking the place. So, um, yep, that's why this is called the disruptive voices because we need some voices to disrupt silence um, and speak into these issues, which can be hard, but, man, our kids will, they want, they want to know. Well, we have had a very long day. You have been teaching all day, and um, I've done half a day. And I think we'll stop and watch the sunset. Thank you for your time, Gretchen. Any final last words, or are you done? She's done. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm done. But thanks, teach. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yep.
0: Well, thank you again, and we will um, be back next week with another episode of Disruptive Voices of the Pacific.
1: I see your suffering, I see the pain Beneath that bowl smile Come out from hiding, the sun is rising Let the islands hear easily